0: Hey there, welcome to Not Your Ordinary Girl, a podcast for professionals looking to find their voice, define their brand, and maximize their impact. Episodes are a collection of lessons from real life, interviews with people doing incredible things, tips and tools to get you on your way to realizing your infinite career possibilities. Hey there. So today we're going to talk about managing teams remotely. For quite a few years, I led project management teams that were made up of people that were placed all over the world, actually. Some were overseas, some were in other states in the U.S. And everybody worked together on uh, the same team, but we were all physically located in different places. And I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the the challenges that this can present, but also some of the, the ways that you can be very successful, even despite the fact that you are working with people in different places. More and more nowadays, it seems like uh, remote work and flexible working schedule and people not being in the office and teleworking and working by phone is more and more common. And I've talked to several folks that are working through those kinds of arrangements now, and it can be really tricky at times to make sure that you are being as uh, successful as you would like, because everybody is kind of moving around in different circles. You've got time zone challenges. You've got challenges with travel schedules, trying to make sure that everybody needs to be where they need to get. And just the general lack of, I think that personal rapport when you meet with people in person and you're able to sit down and get to know them and, and, and kind of just roll up your sleeves and get to work when you're working remotely, some of these folks you may never even meet, or some of them you, you rarely meet, maybe it's six, eight, 12 months before you actually get to meet them. So you kind of have to get to know somebody virtually, if you will. And for a lot of folks, this can present a lot of challenges, right? Some folks are very in-person minded and it, it just works for them better if they can sit down in the same room and have a conversation. Other people totally fine with working completely virtually. So there's a few things I wanted to talk to you about uh, being a, a leader or a team lead or a manager or a director or supervisor of these types of teams and ways that you can maximize your productivity and the cohesiveness of that team. For starters, If it's possible to meet in person for like a kickoff or a starting meeting or once a year, something like that, so that you can get all of your people in the same place at the same time so that they can meet, shake hands, get to know one another, Uh, you know, if you can add some kind of a social component to that, that's always good because it gives people a little bit of um, familiarity with the folks that they're working with. I used to like to do a kickoff meeting, or maybe annually you get together for a program review or a project review where you discuss progress and how things are going. And at the end of the day, maybe you all go out for a drink. Or at lunch, maybe you all go and sit down and have lunch. And the idea with that is it takes it a little bit more personal. I always noticed that when I worked with folks, you get to know people in the office on a day-to-day basis in a very professional manner, right? But if you go and you have lunch with somebody, you have coffee with them or you go and have a beer with them, you hear a little bit about the rest of their story. You get to know a little bit more about what makes them tick and 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 some of the some of the background of what goes into how they function, right? You may learn about things that are going on in their family or things that are going on outside. Maybe they're going to school at night or they've got a bunch of kids or they coach Little League on the weekend or they're, they're interested in music or sports or whatever it is, you kind of get a little bit more feel. And working with folks day-to-day in person, obviously there's a lot of other opportunities to get that kind of information. You run into them at the water cooler or in the break room or at lunch or happy hours, whatever it may be. When you're working remotely, obviously you're typically meeting at a very Uh, scheduled time and you are focused on the objectives for those meetings. So there's not as much time to have those kinds of one-off on the side conversations unless you actually make the time for it. So as I said, the first thing I would recommend is if there's any way to get your teams together in person, preferably earlier on in the arrangement, right? If you know you're going to be building this remote team of 10 people from around the country. If you can do some kind of a kickoff where you can bring everybody in and have them meet one another and, and, and just kind of get to know one another on a, on a professional and a personal basis a little bit so that everybody knows who everybody is. You kind of have a face to go with the, the voice, if you will. Obviously, you could do this over Skype or one of those FaceTime or one of those types of programs where you can everybody meet in a room and put everybody on camera. Uh, obviously there's some folks that love that, some folks that hate that. It is what it is. If that's what your your only ability is to get everybody together, then do it. I mean, even if you give everybody plenty of notice, we're going to try and meet online so everybody has a face with the name to just kind of go off of. It personalizes things a little bit. And I find that people are more patient and more tolerant and more kind and more encouraging of one another if they have a face to go if it's just a unnamed person that's off in the background it's just a voice that you're talking to it's it's very easy to distance yourself there and it, the cohesion of the team is possible but it's certainly a little bit more difficult obviously not all programs projects whatever teams have the financial capability to come together and meet maybe that's not really in your budgets so like i said if you can do a virtual version of that that would be great. The next thing is setting regular meetings with your team. Obviously be mindful of time. Nowadays I feel like there's so many meetings that everybody just automatically schedules for an hour and I was reading a time management book not too long ago. One of the the first things in the very beginning of that book was that managers and supervisors and team leads need to be conscious of their their staff and their time. You know, just because the calendar defaults to 60 minutes doesn't mean every minute has to be 60 minutes. If you don't have 60 minutes worth of things to talk about, cut it short in 15 minutes. Cut it short in 30 minutes. Recognize that these folks have work to do. You want them to be focused on work. And while you do want to get everybody together to do checkups and, and progress reports and, and whatever it is that you're doing on your regular meetings, you do want them to prioritize the work. So if you only have an agenda that's going to last 30 minutes, let them go after 30 minutes unless something comes up that needs to be addressed. But that said, have a regular set time on your calendar for everybody to know, hey, on the first Monday of every month, we block an hour or two, whatever it typically takes for the size of your project. Set your agenda. Send it out ahead of time. If it normally follows the same format each time you meet, even better. Right, So people have an expectation and they know what to expect. And they begin to trust that you are being mindful of their time and you're being productive. It's nice if, if the conversation gets a little sidetracked. Maybe you have a portion of the, the conversation each time to have somebody talk about what's going on with their portion of the project each time. Because then everybody gets a chance to talk and it's not just necessarily you talking at them. I always like to have everybody give a status update so that you knew what everybody was working on. It gives you a sense of understanding what they're doing, and it gives the employee a sense of accountability because they know that they're going to have to come to these meetings periodically and tell everybody what it is that they've been working on, right? So it's kind of a subtle way of holding themselves accountable because, hey, I'm going to have to talk about whatever I've been doing. Providing your team clear direction, clear roles and responsibilities for each member of your team, making sure that everybody knows what they're responsible for, and making it clear to everybody. You know, if you have different layers to your team where there's some kind of seniority role, maybe you have certain people report out for a group. A lot of this really depends on how big your team is. I worked with some groups that were quite large, you're probably talking about 20-30 people on a phone call, And it's a lot easier for that purpose to kind of have a little bit of a hierarchy or have a spokesperson for the group. And perhaps that rotates. You know, if you're grooming junior folks that are trying to work their way up and get more responsibility, that's a great opportunity for them to take turns reporting out for the group. The next is being available as a leader to a team that is remote and everybody's separate doing their own thing it's very important for the the team lead or the manager to be available and reachable and responsive to the team because you never know when things are going to come up it is one of the challenges as a leader of a, of a remote team because if you're dealing with multiple time zones you may be getting messages at all hours of your time zone right but establish it from the beginning that you will be very responsive. And if you get a response from somebody at, say, 2 o'clock in the morning, Europe time, obviously I'm not suggesting you jump out of bed and bang out a response on your on your cell phone or BlackBerry or whatever it may be. But establish the pattern that, hey, in the morning I check my emails first thing on the train, on the bus, when I get into the office, while I'm having my coffee whatever it may be, and I will respond to you by, say, 9, 10 o'clock my time in the morning. And try to stick with that because a lot of times folks are waiting on your response as a leader to do things, take things to the next step or move things along, and you don't want to be the reason things slow down. And you certainly want to be consistent with your teams. If you're going to be away or for some reason unreachable for a period of time, you want to communicate that to them so that they have expectations and know what to expect. The last thing you want them to feel is that, you know, hey, I'm really trying to meet your deadlines, but every time I'm sending you information, it takes days to hear back from you. Even if you just say, hey, message received. I found, and for me, this was challenging, okay, because messages for the sake of messages kind of make me crazy. I feel like if you send me a message and there wasn't a question in it and it was just, hey, this is a status update, then I don't really need to provide you a response, right? I received the message. There was no question. You were just letting me know. Well, I learned the hard way that that's not really how a lot of people like to work. I had some folks that would say to me, hey, we send you stuff, but you don't always necessarily confirm that you received it unless I put a question in there. If I put a question in, then you always respond. But if there's no question, often you don't respond. And that's true because I I, I feel that it's inefficient to just say, hey, got your message, and then do they need to send you a message for receiving your message, right? I mean, it just turns into this do loop. However... In particular, with dealing with folks that are spread all over the country or the world, it's important to let people know that you did receive their message, right? Because you don't want them stalling, waiting around on your message for a while, and then realizing, okay, well, there wasn't a question, and then maybe they send you a message saying, hey, did you get my message right now you've just convoluted the whole process. And I was definitely guilty of this at times because, again, that that back and forth until I recognized and talked to my teams and asked them, you know, hey, is it more helpful if I do this? And what I found was very helpful is that I just started saying uh, message received or confirmed receipt or thanks, I got it. Whatever you say. And you develop kind of a rapport with different people and how they like to communicate. But I kind of incorporated that feedback that I received from my teams that they wanted to get some feedback from me when they, received mes- when they sent me messages that I received them. And I found that that really sped the process up a little bit. So talk to your teams and find out, you know, over over time and working with them, you kind of get a feel for how people communicate. Some people are very verbose. Some people are very succinct. It just depends on people's styles. I tend to be kind of short and to the point, but other folks... They want to be more wordy, they want to explain, they want to they want to clarify their point, make sure that everything's there, and sometimes that takes a little bit more care and feeding, which is fine, but pay attention to the people that are on your team and recognize that everybody's communication style is a little bit different. And if you're unsure, there's no reason why you can't send them an individual email and say, hey, I'm getting this, I want to make sure that I'm responsive, I may not have time to do this, this, and this, but I want to make sure that, it, that you and I are communicating appropriately. And see what they say, right? If you're not quite sure, you want to make sure that those lines of communication are always open and always clear. Because you're not able to just pop into their office or, or go and grab a cup of coffee with them and have a conversation, being remote means that you kind of have to do a little bit of extra legwork there. Maybe you just pick up the phone and give them a call. Some folks communicate much better on phone than they do on email some folks are much more preferable to, to use email. Um, in my experience, I found that most people preferred email. I think that at least the, the projects that I was working, folks were always coming and going and traveling and moving around, that finding time for a phone call was always challenging. They always had multiple conference calls in a day, and Any time that wasn't on a conference call, it was much more efficient for them to be on their computer and doing their work and firing off an email here or there. That may not be the case for your teams. Perhaps they have very few conference calls and your teams do better communicating by phone. In that case, you might schedule more than once a month phone calls or maybe more than once a week. A lot of this depends on the type of project that you're working on and what your deadlines are. If you've got constantly moving deadlines and you're constantly renewing those timelines for additional deliverables and and objectives, then you probably want to schedule more regular meetings with your team. The last thing I want to talk about is if you should have tension or conflict arise with your team. And this happens, right? Everybody's got a different style. We talked about communication styles. Everybody's got a work, different work style. People have different speeds. Some folks are very quick. Some folks are are more deliberate in their processes. And bringing a group together from a, a variety of different places who are only meeting virtually over the phone or over video chat adds its own challenges, right? Everybody has a different time zone. Tension and conflict can certainly arise and it's it's totally understandable, especially with the fact that your team may know nothing about anybody else. You don't know what kind of external factors are driving some of the behaviors and those all need to be considered as well. So should tension or conflict arise on your team, the number one thing is to deal with it promptly, right? If you are listening to your, your team every Monday and you're noticing that there's two people that are a little... A little tense with one another, address it right away. And I think that the best way is to try and gently mention it during that call when you first notice it. And I'm not saying call them out on it, okay? When I say gently I mean hey, see if you can kinda see if you can kind of divert the attention there and see if you can calm things. If there definitely seems that there's some tension there, then after the call you need to address it directly. And you can address it with the person who was being the most off, if you will, the person that was not behaving as usual as well, maybe the person that was being most snarky, that would probably be the best person to talk to. But I would also talk to the person who was being snarky with or they were picking at or picking on or however it happened. Talk to them both separately first and try to get both sides of the story. Perhaps the person that was being snipped at had no idea why that person was being that way towards them. So you want to go and get both sides of the story and find out what's happening. Right? And then, depending on what it is that's going on, if it's simple miscommunication, if it's a work style thing, if it's just one person simply having a bad day and didn't mean to be so snippy, you know, chalk it up to whatever it is. The key is that you want to make sure that both of those employees feel heard. Okay, You want to listen to what it is they're saying. If they're having a problem with the team or with the way things are going, you want to be receptive to their feedback. And if it's something that you can address, perhaps it's something with the broader group. Perhaps it's something very personal with that one person. Whatever it may be, be patient and open to listening to what it is that they're saying. And if it's something that it really is truly between those two people, perhaps suggest that, you know, I'd really like to have a call with just the three of us so that we can kind of talk this out and figure out. Maybe it was a misunderstanding about some uh, responsibilities that you had described to them, that they feel one was an overreach or stepped on someone's toes or the other person's not responsive. If it's something that you can kind of play middleman on very simply, then do that. But I always prefer to have the people work out what's going on. And you can propose that, hey... I think it'd be a good idea if you called the other person and you guys had a chat and work this out. If you would like me to be on the phone, I'm more than happy to be on the phone call, but we're all adults here, right? I mean, if they can't have a phone conversation and sort this out, then that may be something where then you need to step in and say, look, we have the team for a reason. You're all on here. Everybody's got roles and responsibilities. You need to get over yourself, whatever it may be. Obviously, you want to try and be much more constructive in the beginning and patient and see if you can't lead them to it. But at the end of the day, you're all there to do a job. You're all there to meet your your deadlines and get your job done. And if it's just a personality thing, then it may take, get to the point where you as the, the lead of this group need to say, you know what, enough is enough. Take that offline and deal with that at the end of the day. But while we're on our team call working on all of our responsibility, our project, you need to be dialed in. I guess the the progression there is if you can handle it gently, if you can just kind of steer them in another direction or it's something really simple where it's just a, a difference of opinion and you think that it will go away calmly, then handle it that way. If it seems like it's going to threaten the larger group, then that's kind of where you have to be the bad cop, right? You, you're the lead. You have to say, look, this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. If it's an impossible situation that's not going to be resolved, then obviously there's going to have to be ramifications there where you might have to make some changes to the members on the team if they're unable to work together. Hopefully it's not that point, right? Because, again, they're working remotely and they don't really know one another, I always hoped that if you kind of get to know a little bit about the other person, that it might balance things out a little bit. You know, everybody thinks they're the expert on a different thing sometimes, and if that's challenged, we can be a little protective of that. You know, I was brought on this team to work on this project for this part of it, and that was for a reason. You were brought to bring this part, and that was for a reason, but... Sometimes we can overstep. Sometimes we can we can think we know more than we do about other things. Or sometimes we do know more than other folks do. And and our feathers get a little ruffled. But at the end of the day, the important thing to make sure that your entire team realizes is that you're all there to do work. Not to bicker, not to nitpick, and, and not to... Um, have turf wars over who's more important. And I'm using this as an example of why some friction may arise. It could be something completely different. You know, it could be that so-and-so never returned my email and why do they think they're so important that they don't have to return my email, right? Who knows what it is? It could be a lot of different reasons. But as the lead, getting to the bottom of what the problem is and trying to make it smooth amongst the two people that are that are bickering, And if you need to make them realize that, hey, this is work, deal with that on the side. Don't bring it to the team meetings. Now, if there is tension amongst the entire team, if it's broader than just two people or it starts and perhaps you missed it or it's hard to pick up on the phone, right? If people are having trouble, you may be missing what kind of emails are going on in the background. And then suddenly someone brings it to their attention that, hey, The team is having some serious challenges, okay? People are just not getting along. We're having issues. You're noticing problems with performance. Maybe you're not getting deliverables on time or whatever it may be. Then that's another thing. If you can get them together in person and kind of put their feet to the fire and say, look, I don't know what's going on here. This team is together for a reason. These are our goals and objectives. These are everybody's roles and responsibilities. I'm sorry that... Whatever is going on in the, in the periphery is causing tension, but we need to put that aside and focus on the job we were hired to do. And hopefully, if you can bring them together and they have a little bit of time to interact on a more personal level, that can help smooth things over as well. If not, then again, perhaps there needs to be some rejiggering of the makeup of your team. Maybe the group is just not a good fit. Hopefully, people are professional enough that you can bring folks together, and for the most part, everything will start to gel. But in the extreme example, things may have to be changed around with your team. If you can't meet with them in person, obviously, if you can arrange some kind of video chat with them or phone call to talk to everybody about this, It's always best to try and get all of the different perspectives. If you have time to call everybody and talk to everybody and kind of get a feel for what they're seeing is happening, it's good to get their perspective. If that's not preferable, then you can always give everybody the opportunity to talk on the phone. It's kind of like playing mediator, if you will, a little bit. The one thing I would encourage, though, is, again, as the team lead, you only want this to go on so long. You really don't want to indulge bad behavior that if they're every time they're getting on the call, they're bickering, and now we're going to have a phone call, and we're going to talk about why everybody's bickering, and the phone call is going to go on with everybody complaining for hours. That's not constructive. That's not constructive. Again, you're there to do a job. If you have things to moan and groan and complain about, perhaps that's better taken offline. Maybe one-on-one conversations with folks and find out if they have a true complaint about something that is actually affecting the team. If it's not, then sometimes that's where the tough love comes in and you just have to say to them, you know what? this is your job. I'm sorry that you're not happy with whatever it may be, but that's really not within the purview of what our team is. And that's really not, that's really not constructive to what our mission is in getting our job done. So you're going to have to set that aside if you can and get your job done, or you might have to look to be on a different team or to do something different if you don't think you can. Obviously, again, that's kind of an extreme example, but there are teams that just do not work well together. And for whatever reason, everybody's got their own personality. They've got their own thing going on. If people are not able to be a team player and and do the work, then you may have to make some adjustments. So as I mentioned, now with everybody trying to work remotely and telework and and calling in from different places, the occurrence of having remote teams seems to definitely be on the rise. And with all of the challenges it presents, it also presents a really nice opportunity to get to meet people from all over the country or all over the world. And even if you're not able to physically get together with them, perhaps you are able to do video chat with them or set up some kind of a a private group on LinkedIn or Facebook or something so that you can get to know the people a little bit more. And make new friends outside of your immediately workspace, which is pretty awesome, right? Everybody's got something different to bring to the table, so... If you are going to be managing a a remote team, small or large, look at it as a really neat opportunity to broaden your horizons on some levels. Maybe they live in states you've never been to before. Maybe they are bringing something to the table your organization or your company doesn't typically do, and that's why you're bringing in an outside group. And you have things that you can learn from them, and they have things that they can learn from you. It really is an opportunity to make new friends on on some level if you think about it that way. The more positive and upbeat you keep the environment, I always think that the more positive and upbeat the entire team will be and you have a chance to do some really great things. So I wish you all the luck with your teams. Have a great day. All right, so thanks for tuning in to Not Your Ordinary Girl. I hope you enjoyed it. Head on over to NotYourOrdinaryGirl.com and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Feel free to drop me a note with any topics you'd like to hear about or feedback, and please go ahead and recommend it to your friends. Until next time, remember to always stand up and be confident, stand by all that you do and say with integrity, and stand out, because after all, there's only one.